I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. There was a fella uh, who used to live uh, west of here, Del Seaman, who uh, had a uh, who trained border collies, and he passed away. I used to be on a different radio station in the Twin Cities. He passed away, and uh, he and his uh, wife had been fans of mine on the radio, and so over the years she gave me a couple of uh, his collies that he'd trained. Oh man! And uh, boy, they were. Uh, incredible animals okay so when you worked with them in the field or when they did what they do what was their approach to to herding cattle they were more of although they would drive cattle Mm -hmm. they were more of a gathering in bringing them towards you was their specialty now isn't that interesting because i have a pembroke welsh corgi Mm -hmm. this little the dog that's like a foot high at the tip of its ears (laughs) ears <laughs> and what people don't may not recognize is that these are herding dogs as well mm-hmm. but it does something different it, it doesn't do what your border collie did mm-hmm. and i was kind of surprised by siggy that's the name of my dog mm-hmm. siggy's behavior because even as i was walking with him if he hadn't had enough exercise that day yet mm-hmm. he'd start kind of nuzzling the backs of my legs mm. And uh, even when he's with the other dogs, he'll sort of start nipping at their heels. Mm-hmm. And he drives them kind of away right. from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that difference in how herding dogs works is actually the, the topic of our chat this morning. Ah. We have again with us, we are so fortunate to have Denise Rackley, who is the owner and operator of Clearfield Stock Dogs out of Bennington, Indiana. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Good morning, Sylvia and Dave. I'm great. Oh, so glad you could join us again. I know you were on with us just a couple of weeks ago to give us kind of an overview of herding dogs. And we thought that we would do a part two today that takes a look at how the different types of herding dogs actually work differently with livestock. You know, doing a little bit of research before our show, I, I took a look at some references both online and in hard copy and noted that the American Kennel Club recognizes about 18 different breeds of what they call herding dogs. But my understanding is that there's a lot more than that, aren't there? There, there are. Um, there's a lot of different dogs in Europe that we rarely see and probably most people have never heard of. Um, there's pulleys and Moondai and, and just just dogs all over actually the world for, you know, use for, for that environment and, and however they raise their stock. And, right. So. Now, I understand that, that one of those places in the world that has just vast amounts of livestock spread over big acreage is Australia. And so they have some really specific, uh, specific uh, breeds out there as well, and some with really interesting behaviors. 
They do. They have uh, Kelpies, are their gathering dogs, similar to our Border Collie. And then they have Huntaways that are more of a driving dog and used in the thick, oh, tough brush that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, the low trees and the thorny brush. So they, they find the stock and then do a lot of barking to move them. Well, let's let's step back just a little bit. At one time, these breeds were part of a, of a bigger category called working dogs, at least in America. And then herding dogs became a subcategory. And I guess I'd like to go over just for a minute or so the, the kind of statements you made about how closely a owner or handler, the rancher or farmer, has to work with a herding dog in order for it to be well-trained. Uh, I believe there are two schools of thought as to the training. You can train them mechanically using obedience. You know, to train a dog to sit, when the dog sits or you push his butt down, you tell it sit, and it learns to sit. You can do that with herding, but that puts you in a position where you have to know more than the dog and be able to see the dog every step of the way. So that limits your dog's ability and, quite honestly, handicaps him because, theoretically, if we are breeding these dogs to work, they should have stock sense and be able to work without all that input from us. To get to that point, one, you have to have a well-bred dog whose parents work, whose grandparents work. And I'm not talking about, you know, six generations ago, this dog came from Wales. I'm talking about actually seeing them doing the job. Mm. And and you have to develop a relationship with them where you trust and respect them, and they trust and respect you. Wow. So it's a and different form of communication altogether, isn't it? It is. It's learning. Herding is learning a foreign language. Just like low stockmanship, you have to learn how the animals move, where you need to be to get that movement, where you just ease them into things and ease them into your way of thinking as opposed to push and shove and holler and cuss. The dogs feel the livestock and know where those places are to get them to move. So we just need to figure out the dog and the stock and communicate, which also means listen to what the dog's telling us and and help them use their strengths and then help them where they're less natural. So it's it's a form of communication, but it's a foreign language for us. Right. So it's more about bringing out the innate, you know, the thing that's been bred into them, huh? It should be. You uh, mentioned that there are different types of herding dogs. Can you describe for us the, the main categories? There are gathering dogs, like Dave had mentioned, Border Collies are in those. They want to bring stock to you. They were designed originally to gather sheep on the hillsides and cliffs of England and Scotland, where it's very rocky. Um, People can't travel, but the sheep sure make it look easy. And they can outmaneuver, you know, any person. If you could get a four-wheeler close, they'd outmaneuver that. So the dogs were designed to be able to maneuver quickly, sure-footedly on those steep mountains to bring the stock back to the person. There's also driving dogs like your corgi um, and 
I consider Aussies a driving dog, although there's controversy. Some people put them in the in the gathering or heading dog category. So they want to naturally push stock away. Cattle dogs fit into that category. They they nip heels and move stock away from you. And then there are tending dogs, which we don't see very much of here in the States. They are used and were designed mostly in Europe, where they have small plots of ground next to crop fields, which the animals obviously shouldn't be in grazing. So these tending dogs act as a movable fence. They circle or learn the perimeter where they want to keep the livestock, and they are out there with a shepherd, not on their own, pushing the stock back into the perimeter of of the designated area. Those dogs are most of the shepherds, German shepherds, the Belgian shepherd breeds, the Trevernes and Belgian Malinois, um, the bigger breeds like Briards and Bouviers. They fit into that category. Let's focus on the, the tending dogs for just a second more. You know, having uh, traveled a little bit to England uh, and Wales and Ireland a couple of years ago, um, it is amazing to see how the terrain there is so different from what we're accustomed to almost anywhere in the United States, where you may have a valley or a bowl of grass that's that's considered a commons or, or it's a shared area. Mm-hmm. Um that may have many flocks uh, kind of sharing the grass. What kind of dog would tend to work best in that kind of an environment? The fells, as they call them, the mountainsides and things, sheep are hefted to the fells. So a group of sheep spends its life on a certain amount, space of ground, and the sheep learn that that is their heft. And right next door, without a fence, there are another farmer's sheep. And they rent those plots of ground out, similar to like we would consider the BLM. So those those plots of ground are specific to those sheep, and, and they raise their lambs there. They, they go back there every year to graze, so they learn their location. So when they get mixed up, and they do, um, they are sorted back into their heft. Because those areas are rather large and hilly and rocky terrain, um, border collies are used the, for the, the most part. Yeah, the skill of uh, and the uh, tendency of a border collie is just mind-blowing as far as I'm concerned. Um, kind of watched a trial last Labor Day, and another one's coming up this Labor Day, where flocks of sheep were distributed across, you know, I don't know how many acres, you know, over a half a mile distant, and how those uh, border collies were able to gather up those sheep and move them through pens um, and gates and sort them. I mean, the mm-hmm. intelligence of these dogs is, is uh, amazing. And it, it, the farm work goes way beyond gathering and driving. I mean, that, that stuff comes naturally. But when you have that relationship with the dog and it's able to tell you, you know, there's a problem down here and I need you, Hmm. you know, there's a lamb stuck in the fence, that to me is mind-blowing. You know, how does that dog know that he can't bring everybody so he shouldn't come back to the barn with the flock that he has? You know, he should let me know that there's a problem. And and there are are moments when I I don't know what command to give. You know, things are things are going 
downhill quick, and I just say, you're on your own, buddy. Go get him. <laughs> and I just send him and let him sort it out. So these dogs are, are actually working very independently? Yes, mine are. And, and if they're trained right, they can be. You know, I need to be able to trust them over the hill in the woods down at the, you know, behind the pond where I can't get to. And they need to let me know if there's a problem down there because I'm standing at the gate. I've had dogs come to the top of the hill and look at me and look back and look at me and look back. I mean, it's like a Lassie movie. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> through YouTube, you know, through the Internet, m- many of us are watching herding videos, amateur herding mm-hmm. videos. They're, they're sure. wildly popular and they get tens of thousands of, of views because they're so fascinating to watch a, a dog that knows what it's doing. But I noticed that in some of those videos, it's, it's heavy-handed human intervention. Mm-hmm. Telling the dog every move to make. And the dog responds. I mean, it's, it's quick and it's, and it's efficient. But I, like you said, it requires that the human be right there on top of the dog and know every single thing that should be happening. And you're talking right. about something that's really training of a different sort. Yes, I am. You know, trials are great, but to be able to judge them, you have to see everything. And to judge and make that call between one dog and another, they have artificially made, okay, it needs to go from point A to point B and bring a sheep in a straight line. Well, how many straight paths do you see in your pastures? Mm. Not not very many no be that you know cattle ducks chickens cows you know they just don't travel like that to judge that line the dog is trained to take those whistles and commands to keep the sheep in in a in a lane basically so that that kind of training is very different from what i require on the farm i don't care if you bring them in a straight line i mean don't take them left if i want them to go right Mm-hmm. but bring them respectfully. I just, we start up close, and we get to all the, all the initial things, and we just add, add distance and add sheep as we have the basics, and then we start working in the field and doing chores, and, and it's just a, a progression. Mm. Now, you mentioned that, that there are these three major categories, of, of herding dogs, do they require different kinds of training because of their natural tendencies? All herding dogs will gather to some degree. It's not going to be a border collie gather. They're not going to go way out in the field to bring in all the animals. Um, Aussies in particular like to be closer to their people. So they, they tend to want you to go with them to work. The differences in the breeds will change how you train a bit, but I still I still need a dog to gather. I still need a dog to drive. I still need a dog to stop when I ask him, call off when I ask him. So there are subtle differences, but you have to take into account the instinct and capabilities of that particular dog of that breed. Okay, so let me, let me just put it a, a question more specifically. I've got this little Pembroke Welsh Corgi who has demonstrated certain healer behaviors. I mean, he definitely nips at the heels of, of the cattle. He's got amazing uh, speed and stamina. 
for such a small dog. The, the thing is like the wind uh, going across a field. So I need to take into account that, that that dog naturally has that ability or capability or instinct. For a, for a corgi, I would start with with them on a like a long line and teaching them commands when I'm walking with them behind stock. You know, I teach them a, a left and a right, whatever I chose to use for those in a stop. And then in a smaller area with easy stock that will move nicely off of him, I would help him figure out how to gather mm. just because I find gathering very useful. Like I said, he's he's not going to do it like any other breed because he's, he's a corgi, but I think they all can learn to bring stock to you and they all can learn to take stock away from you. I would just start get with his natural instincts and work on our relationship and confidence and then start asking him for tougher things. Mm. So this is where it really pays off to know what kind of dog you're getting from the start and and to yeah. do some of that investigation into it, his parentage and, and if they actually worked on farms. Correct. And, and there gets to be a problem with crossing herding dogs. You know, some people like to cross a a cattle dog with a border collie. Well, that can be kind of confusing because the cattle dogs are healers and the border collies are gatherers. So some of those pups will, will tend to be one way or the other. You rarely get a mix where you have a cross that's good at both things. Ah, oh, that's you know, interesting. That would, take, that would take generations of work. Now, you're offering a, 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 a three-day course coming up, aren't you? Yes, um, April 26th, 27th, 28th, and 29th. On the 26th, we're doing a herding demonstration and training demonstration to see the progress from a pup to a finished dog. And Jack Knox, who is from Scotland, who now lives in Missouri, is coming to do that training, and he will have his border collies here. He travels across the country holding these clinics, to help people with their stock dogs. Um, that starts at 2. And then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 27th through the 29th, we have a three-day workshop where people bring their dogs and get to work twice a day with Jack, and we work on whatever stage the dog and people are at. So we have a round pen for young dogs or inexperienced dogs or inexperienced people, and then we have a training small training pasture for more advanced dogs. I have a little bit of room. I'm also doing a clinic in the fall. It will probably be in November. So there's going to there's room there and I'm thinking about adding one in June if I get enough interest. So I will I will definitely fit you in somewhere. Okay. Um, they can go to a website. It's clearfieldstockdogs.com. And there's information about clinics, and this particular set of clinics is SARE-supported. It is a agricultural education and research grant, so the cost has been reduced. And there's a Facebook page, Success with Stock Dogs. Denise, do you work exclusively with Border Collies, or do you train other breeds as well? I train other breeds. I'll train anything you bring me. Training the dog is, a, is the easy part. It's training the people that 
that are tougher. So if you have a trained dog, it's not going to do you a whole lot of good until you yourself understand. Okay. One of the things I've noticed, Sylvia talked about the YouTube videos. And uh, one of the things I've noticed online and uh, on videos, and even people looking to sell dogs will post little videos. And the, the dogs will be working uh, cattle, and they get them running full speed. The dogs get the cattle running full speed into the area where the person wants them. And they, they seem to take great delight in the fact that they really get those cows moving. And as a stockman, that makes me cringe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, how difficult is it uh, to get a dog to not apply so much pressure to the stock and get them walking in rather than running? It is not, it is not difficult. You have to start with the right tool to do that. Um, not every dog, obviously, has the same amount of instinct and capabilities as the next, even among border collies. You know, there are, there are dogs that are incredible, and there are dogs that are mediocre, and there are dogs with good breeding that don't work. It varies, but I think the problem is people have the wrong idea of how you're supposed to use a dog and what the dog is capable of. If the people understood the training, they would not allow that to happen. Hmm. If the people were educated into low-stress stockmanship, that obviously isn't it. The dog is an extension of me and how I want my stock to behave. Young dogs, obviously, you know, they're young and they're enthusiastic. They can get into trouble and be wild and chase, but that's why you start in a small area until you get that dog to understand it's not allowed to do that. Is it a hard thing to break a dog that's been kind of used to applying a lot of pressure to do less and less? Bad habits are harder to break than to start good than to start good ones from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, you can fix a lot of that in a dog with with good instincts that have has just been allowed to misbehave. Mm -hmm. um, but you know there comes a point. You know if the dog is seven or nine or something, it's probably not going to change a whole lot. You know, it's going to be a whole lot harder if the dog's been practicing bad behavior for seven years as opposed to one. One of the things that I found interesting recently on, on one of these Internet uh, videos was uh, it was actually a post from Ireland where uh, they were introducing Border Collie puppies to a small flock of sheep. And these little puppies were just four weeks old. Where does the, the training begin? How old is the dog? Um, that varies. I've had some dogs want to start working at four months and other dogs not till a year. Mm -hmm. So it is, it again is genetic how early they start, I think. You can get lines that are working quite well by eight months a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are other dogs that are just starting at that point. How do I begin to search for that good puppy line? The best thing for people is to... Begin with a dog with experience and knowledge already. So an experienced dog can teach you a whole lot about stock and about working dogs rather than buying a pup and not knowing yourself. So if it's the blind leading the blind, you don't know what right looks like, so you can't correct the wrong. Mm. But if you get an established dog who knows what he's doing, then you can start to see 
the right and be able to pick out the wrong. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.